All right. Okay, everybody. It's fantastic talking to everyone, chatting with everyone. We'll see how we go here. Nice to see a nice full house. I thought hardly anybody would be here, so it's great to see not many empty seats, and of course they're always empty at the front. I wonder why. Wasn't math fantastic? He's just been amazing. Yeah, it's fantastic. He's getting better and better, and it's, it's just so good to see God using all of us in all sorts of ways, and, and Matt just thrives on that, and it's so fantastic, and the message he carries is wonderful. He's also got a wonderful father scriptwriter, I reckon. Romans 15, 7. Therefore, accept each other just as Christ accepted you. That's what Matt was talking about. I've got an illustration for you. I want you to picture a dumpster. Sometimes we call them skips. You know, my son's a builder and he puts skips always on the sites and all the rubbish and the junk goes in there. Think of this dumpster. So kids, the dumpster's a great big rubbish bin. It's, you know, it can be from sort of here all the way to over here and it's really high and they often have a big lid on them. Do you know what I'm talking about? Think of this dumpster. Anyway, this story, this dumpster was parked in an alleyway, a dingy awful, horrible alleyway in Vancouver, actually, in Canada. And Danielle Strickland tells this story. It's a real story about this alleyway. Friends of hers wanted to get married. You see, beside this alleyway was a drop-in centre and it was for drug-addicted people, street people, people who were lost and had nowhere to go and they were living on the streets or they were abandoned by people. And so this drop-in centre was right beside the alley. And in the alley was a dumpster. But what was going on there was really unusual this day because two people who worked with this Danielle, they met at the drop-in centre. They were staff, they were workers. And they fell in love and they wanted to get married. But they decided, we want our marriage to represent something really remarkable and something special about our marriage and who we are. And we met where? in the drop-in centre. So we want to get married in the alley, not in the dumpster, in the alley. (laughs) We want to get married in the alley. So they cleaned up this dingy, dirty, you could imagine what it's like if you've been in some of them in Melbourne. This sounded even worse than that. Dingy, dirty place. And some people brought carpet and some people brought chairs and even a streamed um, orchestra came. And they played there. There was people coming. They invited anybody that turned up on those streets. You can imagine what the streets are like and the sort of people that were coming and everybody was invited. It sounds a bit like a parable we just did, doesn't it? And so everyone was invited to this wedding and here they are, the bride all done, like we would have weddings the same, looking beautiful, guests, anybody's invited and here here they are getting married. And there's a creek of the dumpster lid halfway through this and the lid comes up and out pops a head. Somebody had slept there the night. Do you know people do that? They sleep the night because it's better than in a storm, better than out in the cold. So here this person was sleeping there and this Danielle looked at the person and he just looked and he could, it was just like, and put the lid down again. Creak. 
after the service, after everybody that got married and everybody went in to the... Um, he actually said some things that I won't repeat here too. He was so shocked at what he saw. Afterwards, um, they all went in to the, to the drop-in centre right next door and Daniel went up to the dumpster and went, knock, knock. Who knocks on a dumpster? <laughs> and up goes the knocks again. Hey, hey, you. And the dumpster comes up and she says to him, it's real. It's real. What you just saw was real because she thought he'll probably wake up in the morning and think he's just had a trip. And this couldn't possibly be real. She said, it's real. In fact, she said, you're welcome. You can come. And he came, he got out and he came and he was invited to the wedding reception. That's a true story. What a beautiful picture of the kingdom that is. That's a picture of God's love. A beautiful picture of that. Ephesians 3 tells us that this love of God is what? This love of God we're talking about. Um, sorry, I haven't got the slide up there. I'll get it here. Um, and may you have power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high and how deep his love is. How wide. That's wide, kids, isn't it? We sing songs about that, don't we? How wide. Wide. How long, how high, how deep is the love of God? That dumpster illustrates that sort of love. Why is it important to understand that? Why is it important to understand how wide and deep and long and high that God's love is? Another picture of that, the Passion Translation I've been reading lately, it's a guy who's gone back to the original language, and in this case it's the Greek, and he's gone back and trying to, trying to discover from original language what's the ha passion of God, what's the heart of God towards his people? What is his passion towards the world? And this is what it says. Um, then you will be empowered to discover what every holy one experiences. If we're Christians, kids, if we've understood God, adults, if we've understood who God is and we have him in our heart, we will be empowered to discover the great magnitude, the great magnitude of the astonishing love of Christ in all its dimensions. It's astonishing, it's huge. How deeply intimate and far-reaching is this love? How enduring and how inclusive it is. So the kingdom is marked by inclusive love. That love of Jesus is inclusive. The kingdom says, you're all G. I don't even understand that. I'm too old for that. I'm not a septuagenarian, but what's a 50-genarian? Um, a septu... No, what is it? Anyway, um, I'm too old. I really understand what it means, but I know that the kingdom says you can come. You're invited. Everyone is welcome. Everyone is welcome into this kingdom because it's marked by this absolute... Um, inclusive, extravagant love of God. So when we come into Christ, we're part of the kingdom. That's who we are. If you're in Christ, you're part of God's kingdom. And everyone's welcome in that kingdom. Think of Jesus' time. Think of what the disciples 
lived through. They were with Jesus and they saw the sick come. Jesus went to them, come. The lame, the lepers, the tax collectors, the adulterers, the fishermen, the doctors. They were all welcome to come to Jesus. Jesus called them all in. What about Saul? What about Saul, that dangerous man that was hurting Christians, that the Christians were fearful of? What about him? Was he welcome? Was he welcome? Yeah, he was. He was welcomed in. He, he was confronted by Jesus and all he could do was respond to that, respond to Jesus. So did the disciples really see what God was doing? Could they see what was happening within this kingdom that Jesus was forming? Could they believe it, that it was real? It's real what God does. It's real the stuff that happens in the kingdom. So what about bullies? Are they welcome in the kingdom? There's bullies at school, aren't there? There's bullies at kinder. There's bullies, there's adult bullies. There's bullies in our society. There are leaders who are bullies. Sometimes there are parents who are bullies too. Can God change them? Can God do a transformation within them so that they can be part of this extravagant love of Jesus too? Of course he can. Of course he can. Do we see it? Can we see God doing things like this around us? Do we believe that God does this? It's real. It's real. You're part of something that is real that God is doing. Now, we belong in that kingdom. And God says to us where to look like, where to operate like, where to accept like, where to love like people who live in the kingdom. Ephesians 3 also tells us that when we come into the kingdom, you'll have the Spirit of God released deep in you. This is just before the passage that we had up there. You'll have the Spirit of God released deep inside you and extravagant love pours out on you. Kids, when you come to Christ, God's Spirit comes within. It's extravagant love, extravagant power that you have through the Holy Spirit. The minute you come to Jesus, that's what happens. And then you're filled to overflowing. That's what Ephesians says. You are filled to overflowing with the fullness of God. When you sit in the kingdom as a child of Christ, that's who you are. That's who, what you have. This incredible power of the Holy Spirit, this incredible love of God, you have the fullness of God within you. Therefore, let's go back to Romans 15. Therefore, accept one another or accept each other just as Christ has accepted you. Now, within the kingdom, sometimes we fail at that. We all do. And I've seen, I've gone into and taught kids' church classes here and I've seen primary, particularly the girls, particularly girls, isolate and not include. If we have if, parents, we need to be keeping an eye on this. How are our kids' peer groups going? Do they have a mark of inclusiveness about them? Do our kids accept others in who aren't like them? 
I've seen isolation and no matter how much I tried to make a difference there, these kids were still isolated because they were different or they went to a different school or whatever. Our hearts, even as young, faith hearts, need to be inclusive. We need to be trained. I've seen teenage boys. Well, I've seen other boys, actually, when I was a teacher at school and I've seen boys who are Christians and they isolate other boys because they don't play football or soccer or hockey. They're not in the in-group. And we isolate. Parents, train your children to be inclusive. Train them that they have the love of God in them, they have the spirit of God in them to make a difference. I've seen teenage boys here just in recent months, and I won't mention any names, but they accepted an exchange student from France. Like I've, It was unbelievable, the acceptance, across a whole group of boys, and the girls included as well. It was beautiful to see a stranger come into the fold and these teenagers welcome them into their group, welcome them into their homes, welcome them into their social activities, welcome this guy who was only going to be here for a few months, welcome them in. That's an example of the kingdom. When you see stuff like that, you think that's God's kingdom. That's what it's meant to look like. The kingdom is so out of this world. It's so radically different to anything else in the world. Who are the people that you're showing this mind-boggling, counter-cultural kingdom of God? Think about it. Who are they? Who are, the, who are you loving despite your feelings towards them? Who are you sacrificing your leisure, your money, your time, your solitude, your plans? Who are you sacrificing those things for? The kingdom or the world? We make choices all the time. What about dinner invites? Who gets your dinner invites? What about your parties? Who gets invited to them? This is for kids as well as adults. Who gets to hang out at your place? Think about your group that you invite in. What about the new people here? Have you ever had a chat with them? There's lots of new ones. Have you invited them to your house? Have you brought them into who you are? Have you brought them into your life or your family's life? What about your not-so-besties? What about them? What about those who God may have put in your way? In, as kingdom living, we need to be observant all the time. Who is it? What is it that God's doing around us? Sometimes people will come across my way and I'll think, oh God, is that you? Is that you putting that person in my way and I'm too busy? I've got a message to get ready. <laughs> or I've got something else to prepare. Who is it that God's putting in our way? And have we got time? Have we got time to have them for dinner? Have we got time to bring them in? Are we open and inclusive? Are our peer groups... All of us, so our peer groups marked by acceptance. You might say, oh, Leanne, I'm not, I can't do that. I'm not that kind of person. If you're in Christ, you're a kingdom kind of person, whether you like it or not. You are a kingdom kind of person. And so I can understand the struggle. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to be self-protective. I know what it's like to hide where you're vulnerable. I know what it's like to have a reputation to protect. 
But I guarantee you, the more I've opened up in the last five years, the more I've opened up and become vulnerable to others, one-to-one, I'm not talking about in a massive crowd, one-to-one, the minute I open up and share my deepest fears and share who I am, that's when the kingdom comes. That's when they open up. That's when healing starts to happen. That's when they start to experience the love of God. So think about that dumpster again. Think about it. Sometimes we're so closed to the things of the kingdom. Sometimes we're so close to seeing God the way he is operating in the world and the way it really is. It's a bit like we're in the dumpster. And we're peeking out and we don't believe what God can do. We don't believe the reality around us. We don't believe that God can change people. There's a kingdom idea that if we had a picture of the kingdom, we would think maybe we could call on a God who can change the heart of somebody, who can change stuff inside them like nobody else can, can get to the deepest parts and transform that somebody from darkness to light. Who can do that? God can. He's the only one that can. But to do that, we need to believe that's what the kingdom's like. We need to believe. We won't invite people in if we don't believe that God can do that. If we believe God can do that, then goodness, let's invite people in. You know, the, um, if you say you can't do that, there are things to help. The first thing is to do is repent. We don't like that word, but repenting is saying, I'm going this way and I'm thinking this. And I want to change. I want to change my thinking. So if you think you're not a kingdom kind of person like that, you can't reach out to people, repent. Say, God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry because I'm limiting what you are capable of doing in people. I'm so sorry because I'm limiting what you think I can do. And I want to surrender that. I want to let all that go and give it to you. That's what repentance is. And then we can surrender. Jesus was the best surrenderer ever. His whole life was about surrender. He gave up everything for us. That's why we can be in the kingdom. So the kingdom comes every time we surrender to God's ways. So we say, God, help me to understand your ways. Help me to see and believe what you're doing and that you can do it through me too. And God, help me to step out in strength and invite others in. And then you just begin. Just begin. Just do it. Accept people in. Kids, you can do that. Accept people. Is God real? Can he do great stuff in you? Of course he can. Just the same as anybody else who loves Jesus. What about a smile? Can you start with a smile? Can you start with just a bit of recognition? I see you. I see you. Don't underestimate the tiny little things that God might ask you to do. You know, the disciples, they thought they were on their way to Jerusalem with Jesus and they were going to do fantastic things with him. And you know what he asked them to do? Go get a donkey. How trivial is that? They might have wanted to do something else much more magnificent. But they asked, were asked to get a donkey. But that donkey was strategic. That donkey was planned. It was a fulfilment of prophecy. Don't 
despise the smallness, the tininess of things we can do. And then, you know what, you'll get a taste of the kingdom because when you reach out to people like that, you'll get, wow, wow, God, wow. I could never imagine that in my wildest dreams. And Ephesians goes on. When you go home, have a look at Ephesians 3 at the end. Beyond your wildest dreams, what God can do. You can never think or imagine what he could do. When you start reaching out, you'll see it too. You'll see the kingdom coming in your presence. And then last two, see the person. Always look to see the person. If we could just see people the way God sees them, if we could see them as possible kingdom people, it would make all the difference to us. We saw people the way Jesus saw people. Pharisees saw the sin. Jesus saw them, saw their heart, saw their potential, saw them as future kingdom people. Listen, listen to people. Invite somebody into life, your life that surprises you. See what God does. Ask God to change the way you see the person. And then, last point, let them see you. I used to do all the other stuff pretty well. I didn't do this one very well until recently. Let them see you. Warts and all, let them see your struggles, let them see your pain, let them see your fears, let them see who you are and how God has victory in all of that. Let them see that kingdom people are, um, I was going to say defunct, <laughs> that's a wrong word. You know, we're, we're deficient people, aren't we? And we're only full and righteous because of Jesus. We're all the same. Let people see that, that Jesus makes a difference and he heals. And then we have a picture. That's what the kingdom is like. It's astonishing. It's inclusive. And the love of God is for anyone. Thank you. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, we just ask that you would please take our fear, take our struggle to be your kingdom people and that you would transform us like you transform so many other people. Lord, give us a heart that wants to invite others in and draw people into us so that we can draw them into the kingdom. Lord, we thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen.